For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 125 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And uh, we're coming to you from Life Day. Recording on Life Day. On Life Day. Also, the full worldwide release of Battlefront 2 happened today. Uh, people who bought the Deluxe Trooper Edition were able to access it on Tuesday, which... I bought the Deluxe Trooper Edition, and I still think that's kind of lame, but we will get to that shortly. Um, I mean, what else to say? How about some business? That's what I could say. I could say some yeah, business. business. Uh, the very, very first order of business is I want to thank everyone who has purchased the 2017 Blue Harvest Holiday Special already it's only been up like a week and a day and we're coming real close real close to the goal i wanted to hit so i think with a little bit more push a couple more people a few more people getting the episode we we may even blow past that goal a little bit so i'm very excited that you guys are enjoying it and i'm very excited that you guys have chosen to donate to such a good cause through buying the episode. And just as a reminder, all the proceeds from our Blue Harvest holiday special go to the Kessel Toy Run, which is something our buddy Brandon put together that benefits the Memorial Hospital in Long Beach and Miller's Children's Hospital. So basically, all the proceeds from the sale of this episode are going to go to making some kids really happy when they need it the most. If you want to check out more information on the Kessel Toy Run, check at, out at the Kessel Toy Run on Twitter and also makingstarwars.net where you can find a real convenient post on where to send uh, toys for the toy drive and all that good stuff. And if you haven't gotten the holiday special yet and it's something that will interest, interest you, and I think it should, it's over four and a half hours of Star Wars holiday podcasting goodness. 
with some amazing guests. Chris Fresh, Sal Perales, Jason and Amanda Ward, Jonathan Grosso, Steele Saunders, and my buddy Will and my lovely fiance, Jesse. Hey, hey. <laughs> so, yeah, check that out. Blueharvestpodcast.bandcamp.com for the holiday special. And that will be real badass. Until then, though. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us questions and voice messages at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. And we are so excited to be part of the best damn ass podcasting network in the universe the making star wars podcast network along with such amazing podcasts as now this is podcasting rebel girl steel wars podcast 2187 rogue one tarkin's top shelf idiots array cantina cast first order transmissions and the cargo hold but wait there's more as of this week, our excellent friends in the Sith list are now part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Hey, hey. That's right. Our good buddy, Araj, Boo, and Les are now part of the family. And can we just be honest? Well deserved. Those are three good, cuddly dudes. Cuddly, I was about to say, those dudes. damn ass good fellas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know what? We, we should just, uh, when's the, ne- um, what's the next big comic book movie that's not fucking Justice League? It's going to be the first Avenger, Avengers 3, right? Yeah. Black or Panther. Black Panther. Black Panther. Maybe around the time of one of those, um, we'll have those three guys on again when Will can be on and we'll have a, give you guys a little taste of the Sith list. Uh, drop I saw Thor Ragnarok last week. Oh, did you? I still haven't seen that yet. Oh, and before we get into the meat of the show, there's one other piece of information you guys need about the holiday special. If you have purchased it, send either myself or Evan on Twitter, or you can email it to us, proof of purchase of your holiday special, and you'll be entered in a special drawing to win an art print off our good buddy Evan DeCellis's, uh website. He's the amazing Blue Harvest artist that has done the cover image you're looking at right now. He's done a bunch of our shirts. Um, he uh, He's a solid dude and an amazing artist. And he's going to be giving away a free art print. Uh, we're going to be drawing for it on December 10th. Uh, since that's the last day the special will be available. And uh, you could win some really cool artwork. In the meantime, check out his website. It's DeCellisArt, D-E-C-H-E-L-L-I-S-A-R-T.com to uh, maybe do a little window shopping. Figure out, hey, if I win this art print, what, what am I going to tell him I want? So check that out and, um, and have a good old damn ass time. So how's your week been, buddy? It's been pretty good. Kind of crazy. I spent some time visiting my mom. It's good to see her. Yeah, you were down in the old Mobile last time we spoke. I was. I was in Mobile. That's cool. Got uh, got big plans for Thanksgiving this year? Not really, and I like it that way. Really? Are you going to do... You doing Thanksgiving at the house, or y'all going and I, seeing family? We're going to do Thanksgiving at uh, in Grenada with the fam. Cool. But, um, you know, being a kid that comes from divorced parents, you know, the holidays 
you know, you would think, oh, I get two of everything. I get two Thanksgivings and two Christmases, and it's it's not worth it because you run yourself to death. You know, you don't really, you know, there were a few Christmases in there where we just did Christmas at home and I just got to enjoy it. But for the most part, you know, you got to bounce back and forth between families and locations and you feel like you use up your whole vacation traveling. So it's kind of nice to be stationary for a holiday, to just sit back, relax, yeah. have a cocktail, some good food, just chill. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to... Uh... Play some video games. Excited to go on over to Mississippi and see my family. It's been a little while. It's been since the the baby, since uh, little Boba Pet Boba Fett Payne was born. Since I've seen everybody, so it'll be nice to see. He's everybody. a little badass. Oh, d- have you seen the latest Boba Payne picture? I've seen one of him sitting up on the couch. That's the most recent one I've seen. I'm about to send you one because he's rocking his first official Blue Harvest merchandise. Is he really? He sure is. He sure is. You give my love to your sister and Goose. Oh, I miss you know the fuck out of Goose. So, uh, my week has been pretty interesting. Um, it is definitely getting into the time of year where I have a little bit more free time. My, my work always slows down around this time of the year. Uh, people do not buy as many houses during the holidays, obviously. So... That has a direct effect on my work. So, um, I actually got a little time this week to take a spin on Battlefront 2. And what a week it has been. What a week for for Battlefront Battlefront 2. Oh, man. I I don't even know where to begin. The shitstorm. I think, just to frame it before we get into it, because I want to hear what your experience is. I meant to have that game by today. It just didn't shake out that way. But um, I'll probably try to pick it up tomorrow. But... I think since the last time we talked, I, I can't remember if this happened last week or not, but <laughs> EA was catching so much shit that they were like, fuck it. We're, we're going to lower yeah, the we'll, cost we'll of get the loot into crates. All of that. But okay, yes, all right. they, it's, it started after we recorded last week. It started because, so before we get into my thoughts on the game, which I'll only give briefly. Uh, if you can, try to beat the campaign by next week so we can record our reactions to that. Because I beat the campaign on Wednesday, and I feel like there's Oh, some... shit. You beat it in one day? No. I played it Monday when it came out at midnight, Tuesday, right. and Wednesday. Okay. All right. So stretched over three play times. Now, granted, that campaign, I think... I spent uh, on the higher end on it as far as playtime goes because um, there there's like these hidden things throughout the levels, like right. little crates that you can splice to unlock. Or I don't. Well, yeah, it does. It unlocks some stuff, um, like crafting parts and shit like that. But uh, I spent a lot of time looking for the little hidden crates and. I beat it in a little under six hours, I think. So the campaign okay. is not super long. But I'll give you my general impressions after we talk about the crazy fucking shitstorm that happened. So, for everyone that's not aware, there's this service on Xbox One called EA Access. And EA Access is basically EA's version of Netflix that you pay five bucks a month for. And you have all these different EA games on demand that you can download and play as long as you're subscribed, right? 
sports titles, you know, all the, the stuff EA publishes, Battlefield games, Mass Effect, um, Titanfall, et cetera, et cetera, all these games. Well, early they also offer early access, I, I believe five days early access for upcoming games. And since the deluxe version of Battlefront 2 was released on Tuesday, that five days started on like Thursday or Friday last week. So you had a handful of people that were able to access the game, play it, figure a few things out. I think they limited you to just the first three levels of the campaign. So it's not like you could have gotten EA access and then blown through the whole campaign. Um, and, and then the full suite of multiplayer stuff. But yeah, people started getting early access. And then over the weekend, there started to be some pretty intense grumbling going on on the internet when it was calculated by a user on Reddit, I believe, that to unlock Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader for play in multiplayer, it would take you approximately 40 hours to... A multiplayer gameplay. Yes, uh, to acquire... Or multiplayer and campaign. You do, get okay. some, you do get some credits for campaign. At least you do now. I don't know if this is something... It was added after this whole kerfuffle, but um, yeah, that's that's what people were saying was uh, you know forty hours. And EA <coughs> came out, and I believe it was on Reddit, and tried to defend it, saying basically, you know, we want these to be like accomplishments for people. We want people to put in the time and feel like they've really unlo- you know earned and unlocked something really cool. Which I get the concept of, but I also think it was way too severe at the beginning. I get the concept of giving people goals and and really cool stuff to look forward to, but it was probably a little too much. And so that was that was really where I feel like the shitstorm, uh, as far as. Battlefront 2 is concerned started. Okay? Yeah. And then it was I believe it was what Monday? Yeah. Sometime Monday EA put out a statement saying like look, we've heard all your complaints. We're going to lower the cost of all unlocks or at least all hero unlocks by 75%. Right. So that, and they also did a Reddit AMA with some of the developers, right? Yeah. I know a lot of people out there are huge like Reddit fans and stuff. Reddit is not a place I have ever really acclimated to. It's I, like Troll Central. It can't. I mean, anywhere on the internet can be fucking Troll Central. Facebook, Twitter, any of these type of places can be Troll Central. Uh, Reddit it just does not seem like a, a welcoming community to me. I check out a few, you know, Star Wars subreddits. I check out the Tool right. subreddit, and no response I've ever seen to any of these posts has made me think, "Yeah, I want to, I want to create a Reddit account and get." In I was the about to say, I feel exactly the same. Reddit is good for perusing for information. Uh, never have I felt like mm, I think my opinion is needed here, you know, because there's no, there's no point. I guess I'm. <laughs> I just don't value my own opinion as highly as some <laughs> other people. But uh, I have no need to fight 
with a faceless math. Like if I want to go shout at a brick wall, I've got plenty of walls here around my house to do that at. You know, you're not going to accomplish anything by trying to prove your point to somebody on Reddit. You know, like I just, mean, uh, once again, I feel like that can be said for any social media. Again, yeah, yeah, that's but what I mean. It's just, just like I said, you know, nothing like, like, like. There's good stuff to find there, and there's awful stuff to find there. It's generally eighty to eighty-five percent of Twitter interactions and stuff have felt fairly welcoming and and like cool to me. And that's why I have a Twitter. That's why I have a Twitter for Blue Harvest. And I like interacting with people. I just can't really say the same for Reddit. Maybe it's just I'm in the wrong Reddits. Like, I mean, of I course. I don't think so. The all the people animals, telling you to go kill yourself and all the you know all that bullshit. Uh, now, those cute animal subreddits, whew, I'll check those out for sure. Check out the D and D subreddits, and you know where. <laughs> oh no, I don't know that I can handle a D and D subreddit. You oh, have my to. God. You have to weave through some shit. But uh, for anyone that doesn't know, an AMA is an "Ask Me Anything." So people go on there, and people from Reddit can ask them anything. There's some really interesting things, like you know, I don't uh, people that do really crazy jobs or have had experiences that you'll never have, like. I'll never go to a sex club, okay? Never never will I do that in the United States or Japan. But someone has. Someone has done that lots of times. And reading the Reddit AMA is interesting to see that view of the world. A view of the world that I'll never get because I don't need to go there. But it's fascinating. Somebody that's been to another country or, you know, the Ask Me Anything can be interesting. Right on. But well, anyway, this, uh... some of the engineers and designers for EA were on there for people yeah. And that was another way EA was trying to. They definitely have tried. They've definitely tried to talk people off the ledge. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, it. this whole thing has definitely made people cancel their pre-orders and stuff. And I get, like, I get it. If, if you feel like that's the best way for you to... Um, stick it to the man? Not even stick it to the man, but, like, make your point known, like... I'm not down for this, then I totally support that. Like, I think that's fine. I think canceling your pre-order, I think sending constructive messages uh, and complaints and just being a normal fucking human being about it, I think that's all well and fine. Um, if people really were sending death threats and shit over this game, fuck the fuck off. That's ridiculous. Yeah, right. Now... Get the fuck out of here with that shit. This whole... And, and th that wasn't the end of it, though. Like, they came out and lowered the, the costs, and that was not the end of it. Then the great loot box meltdown of 2017 really kicked into gear. This is... Uh, right, you would think it's over by then, right? At this point, I think all the shit that's hit the loot box fan is done. It'll be what it'll be. Yeah. But then... Yeah, it, the loot box thing has has honestly been a a wave that has been slowly growing this year it seems and, and it I, came I, to its peak with Star Wars Battlefront 2 I think Star Wars is just such a popular property right that it became a lightning rod for everyone's focus of loot box anger right and and I have a fairly middle of the ground view on loot boxes in general and we've discussed that before our, right. our stance is pretty much if it only affects cosmetics and shit that's not really a big deal for me yeah now 
loot boxes in Battlefront 2 definitely do not seem to just affect cosmetics. Right. And uh, the only thing that I can liken it to is it seemed to take the Halo 5 route oh, where yeah. there are cards mm-hmm. cards that you can play that well, are they're that not... are playable in multiplayer like so, you know, so it's basically not, it's not exactly the same I know I have but I haven't played it but in Halo like there were tank cards and special weapon cards and right now it's it's not a one to one comparison because you could burn like the the cards in Halo could be a one use card so like you could play a rocket launcher card and you would just have it for that life as right. soon as you died that card was gone in Battlefront, they're they're more akin to upgrades. So all the heroes, all the ships, all the uh, soldier classes, assault, specialist, heavy, officer, have three upgrade slots. They're, they're kind of like the star cards were in the Battlefront from two years ago. Right. And those battle those three slots, you can put a card in each one, and those cards do different things. So, for instance, on my assault character... I have improved thermal detonator. And that card gives me a more powerful thermal detonator that has a larger blast radius, right? Right. I have, um, what else do I have on that character? I believe I have a faster health recharge. And the you can level these cards up. So as you level them up, that effect gets m- more powerful until you get it to like a, either a tier three or four where it's at its most powerful, right? Right. So, in theory and in practice, if someone were to say, fuck it, I've got a shit ton of money just falling out of my damn ass, damn ass ass, I'm going to spend $100 on loot boxes this weekend, they could potentially and very likely get some really powerful cards, apply them to their characters, and then be super powered up. That would Now, all of these are unlockable through regular play. You can buy loot boxes and stuff with the credits you earn in the game, but it also had the option to spend real money on these random loot boxes. Right. So the article that I read about this one guy that did exactly that uh, got $100 worth of loot boxes, but it was $90 because he has the EA access, $10 off. Yeah, 10% Um, off. Got $100 worth of them. Opened them all before he ever played the multiplayer once, just to see what he would get, or if he could get to Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader. Right. Turns out, um, he spent, I guess, half of them on the. Oh my God, I forget. There, there are different types of boxes, right? There's one that's got the most cards in it, and yeah, there's one that's like the hero box or some shit. Yeah, there's there's like three different tiers. One is like the starfighter box. One is the hero box, and then there's like. I think you're right. I think those come with three cards, and then those two come with three cards, and I think the biggest one comes with five cards or something. So he did half of it on the five cards and the other half on the hero boxes. Um, from what I understand, still I didn't get Luke Vader, Luke Skywalker, or Darth Vader. Right. Now, that's the thing. They said heroes were not going to be available in loot boxes. The way you unlock so you... heroes right, right, is right. by earning credits. Now, you can get credits in those loot boxes, so That's if, what he said, was that some of those loot boxes returned credits. And he so still didn't could, have enough? Uh, I guess because he had bought so many of the other kind. One of them didn't return as many credits, I if see. any at all. Um, but what he said was that it was kind of convoluted because there are like basically three currencies. There's the crystals, There's which credits. you pay money for. 
and there's and then there's credits, and then there's gun parts or crafting what was the other parts. One? Crafting parts. Now those okay, crafting so, and, parts are what you use to let's say you get a level one thermal detonator card. You use crafting parts to then upgrade that. Or you can use crafting parts to go in and look at the cards you don't have and buy them with the crafting parts. And so the one complaint I guess he was 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 pointing out was that in a game like Call of Duty, where you do have to put in the time with, say, the weapon or the class to, to gain... You know, you need so many kills with this weapon, then you unlock this attachment. You get so many more this, you unlock this attachment. Right. Um, that that was... You couldn't really steer your character build the way you wanted. You were still kind of left up to the randomness of what you got as far as star cards. And once you got the cards, you could build how you wanted to. But you couldn't, from the beginning, steer towards the build-out you wanted. Right. And I get that. I, I think all of these complaints are, for the most part, very valid. I'm not a huge fan of loot boxes by any means. I think it's just something that these bigger publishers like it's really hard like these games are getting so expensive to make like i can't even imagine right. what the budget was and for uh, uh battlefront 2 it's like i understand why they want to do it because they've got to make a return on their investment and gamers are so add these days you know it's hard to keep them on one game right plus you want additional return on your investment besides the initial purchase and to do that you've either got to create additional content which is more cost you more money to produce or you can establish this microtransaction thing that i feel like mobile device mobile games really brought to credibility to their downside you know like, <laughs> yeah it honestly feels like it started back in the day with like farmville and shit on facebook right. Right. And then that went to the mobile area, and now it's it's sort of infiltrated console and PC gaming. Um, the thing is, is I think, honestly, this is sort of a result of EA saying all the DLC for Battlefront 2 is going to be free. There's no season pass. Last right. time Battlefront came out, it had a $50 season pass. Right. And, you know, that came with a good amount of content, but people bitched about it, so... Now, they're not going that route to make further income past the release of the date, right? So now, the way they're going to try and get more money out of this game is loot boxes. Which um, we haven't even got to the good part. Yes, we haven't even gotten to that. So this, you only thought the hero thing blew up. The microtransaction right? loot boxes blew up. And there were people on Twitter who I don't even follow, have never talked to in my life, that were hitting me up on Twitter when I mentioned that I was excited to play Battlefront, who I guess just did a general Twitter search for Battlefront 2 and just started going at people that mentioned it, saying, you're part of the problem. You, you right. know, this is never going to end if you don't boycott this game. And this is right. the thing, like... I'm not going to boycott this game, guys. I'm excited to play it. I'm going to play this fucking game. Okay? I'm sorry. Like, like, you think I'm going to boycott this shit? You're a better man than I am because I, I, I'm going like to fucking said, play the fuck out. Like I said, when we started this conversation, I fully endorse anybody that wants to do that. If that's how you want to get your point across and what you feel you need to do, go on, dude. I respect it. Go on. I ain't going to... I'm not boycotting this game. It ain't me, babe. You know what? We get a like a big budget console Star Wars game every two years now. And and I and, went all in on Battlefront 1. This is my... 
it could this is my uh, next shot you know like right so i'm gonna get this game and but you know what else i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna spend money on crystals but I was about to say, I ain't buying a damn no. loot box. You not, know what I'll do? One. I will just spend a lot of time playing to unlock that stuff. And I will grind. If if I don't unlock every single card for every single class, that's not going to bother it. me. I'm probably just going to stick to one class type anyway. You know? Right. Uh, it, it just it blew up. Like I said, people just violently coming at people. Like, you're an idiot. Blah, 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 blah. So... It sucks. I th- I think and the loot box thing sucks, but I also think Battlefront has sort of gotten an unfair shake out of the whole deal. Piece of the the loot box pie, you know. Yeah. Overwatch does loot boxes. Halo Five did loot boxes. Gears of War Four did loot boxes. The new Call of Duty does loot boxes, and they have a system to where you know how an- another way you can unlock loot boxes is by watching other players unbox loot boxes what yeah destiny 2 loot boxes uh you know shadows of uh the new shadows of mordor loot boxes it's gonna be a thing until it's no longer a thing like season passes i remember when season passes started during the xbox 360 era and like I've always been a fan of DLC in games because if it's a game I really like, I want to keep playing it and I want to have yep. new content to play in that game. So yep. I've always been down with DLC as long as they're not they're not Bethesda horse armor DL- DLCing me. That's like one of the most famous examples of some bad DLC is the first DLC they ever put out for Oblivion was horse armor. <coughs> so. You know, I I have willingly spent quite a bit of money in my gaming lifetime on DLC. You know, Mass Effect and Dragon Age DLC. Halo uh, 3 maps. I spent a lot of money on Halo 3 maps. I did too. Street Fighter 4 costumes. like Skyrim expansions. But that stuff isn't random. I'm more willing. Like, I would rather, to be completely honest, I would have rather Battlefront 2 either had a season pass or just occasional dlc you could pay for you know and yeah. i would have been much happier with that than loot boxes because it's it takes the randomness out of it right it takes yeah. the randomness out of the loot box like let's say you know i'm like you know what i'll throw them an extra 20 bucks or something i don't want to spend that 20 bucks and be like i didn't get a single thing i wanted right you know I, it's like they took uh, and even before loot boxes existed in mobile games, this concept is the Magic the Gathering concept. Right. right? Now, you can buy a deck or you can buy booster packs, right? And you can get booster packs. Maybe you might get something awesome. Maybe you get a bunch of shit you already got. You'd be real disappointed by buying in booster packs. Right. Right. And this is the thing. Another thing that has sort of propped, cop, like popped up out of this whole loot box thing is the examination of it is it gambling is this in gambling is this con- uh, is this um encouraging kids to gamble right. right and you mentioned magic the gathering and really it just depends on the day and how i'm feeling when i go over this subject in my head sometimes i think well yeah it, it is gambling it's like playing a slot machine 
You right. put the money in, and maybe you hit the jackpot and get something you really want, or maybe you get nothing you want at all. And if you right. don't get anything you want at all, then that gambling fucking you know urge kicks in, and you're like, well, I, I'm going to spend another five dollars and another five dollars, and so on. What and so it on. is, it's it's a dopamine surge. Okay, right. it is, which is reinforcing you to do it again. That's these social media. They are engineered to give you dopamine surges when you get likes, when people comment on your shit. Mm-hmm. So you have all these people posting all this shit <laughs> just so they can. I want to get a bunch of likes, or I want to let a bunch of people say shit and comment on my stuff. Like that's a dopamine surge, even if it's negative shit. Uh, I want to post something on Reddit to see how many comments I can get, good and bad. You know, that is a dopamine surge. People are reacting to what you say and that is what's bringing you back to do it again and again it's the same same concept addictive concept behind gambling yeah and mmos mmos work in a very similar way where they slowly dole out the rewards you know and right the the thing is is like gambling in a casino it doesn't hit that for me we're like if i go into a casino with the intent to gamble, I'll be like, I'm going to spend exactly this much. And once that's gone, I don't, it's not like I go running to the ATM to that's get more money. That's because we're average Joes and we don't right. have big money to play with. You're, if you I have mean, big money to play with and you can win big, uh, I imagine it's reinforcing to play with the big money. But I never, I can't, you know, I, I, I go in a casino. I'm like, oh, I got $100 that I can play with for a couple hours. Like, motherfucker, you ain't going to win shit with $100. Like, uh, you gotta take. I mean, I, I mean, I, I I agree. I what I don't agree with is that it's just because we're normal Joes. Because I've known a lot of quote unquote normal Joes with normal money, who have gotten in a bad place because of gambling. True enough. The True lady enough. that I, used I, I don't disagree. <laughs> the lady that used to do my mom and my grandmother's hair, like would talk while she was doing their hair, and I would be just there hanging out with them about how she had had eight credit cards that were maxed out because she would go down to the river boats on the weekends, you know, in Jackson and Vicksburg and um, gamble or fool head off, you know? So there's plenty of regular people that get caught in it. It's just not, I, but I was on the flip side. The thing that does get me is, is the, like the dopamine rush from, from video games, 100% yeah. playing and unlocking something that I really wanted yep. to, to get, or, you know, getting past the level and wanting to get further. Like I, I get that. Um, I just know that like, I don't want to get into the place where I'm spending an inordinate amount of money on digital goods. Um, and to me, what makes it different, I've seen people say loot boxes aren't gambling. They are like going and buying a pack of Pokemon cards or magic cards or such and such and such. Those random collectible card games where that is gambling still like to me, in my opinion, it is, but I think when they say gambling, they they mean it in a broader stroke than just like saying, "Oh, that's you're not, gambling." They you're want not putting money down on something, or well, no. What when they say are loot boxes gambling? What they mean are should this be investigated by the government? Should they check into this? Should this be oh. treated as the the same way that like going into a casino and gambling is? I don't know because you're guaranteed a product. Right. Maybe now it's that's, not the product you want. I, but you're I still guaranteed a product. I don't know how I feel on the subject of our loot boxes gambling. One hundred percent. Like I said, it go. I go back and forth on it. Some days I think, well, what's the difference of me going and buying a five dollar pack of Magic cards or Star Wars Destiny cards, right? Um, versus 
spending $5 on a loot crate in Battlefront. The thing that makes the difference to me is, at least if you go to a comic book store or wherever and buy a pack of like trading cards or something, that's a physical product that you get to keep until either something happens to it, you get rid of it, you lose it, et cetera, et cetera. You have You can something. sell it. You, you can sell it. It's not just a commodity. Right. With loot boxes, like that, the stuff you're going to get out of those loot boxes is only good for as long as you're playing that game. So right. if you quit playing Battlefront 2 in two months, then that stuff is no longer good. If you uh, play it for a year, you know, then good for you. But still, once you stop playing that game, and then in a few years when those servers get taken offline, that's the other thing you got to keep in mind about these online games is they don't run forever. Once there is not enough people on the servers to justify the expense of running the servers, they'll get shut down. They will. You hear about it all the time from games as far back as like the Xbox and PS2 era. You're starting to hear about it from like 360 games and things like that. These games get taken offline. Now something with the popularity and the the um, you know the legs of a Star Wars game yeah, they'll probably be up a little longer than other ones. But uh, the original Battlefront 2, its servers are long down. I think, you know, if you get it on Steam or something, they, there's ways to play on other servers. But, yeah, you can't just, you know, go pop in your PS2 version of Battlefront 2 and play online with people or your Xbox, right. your original Xbox version of Battlefront 2. So once those servers come down, all that money you spend on those loot boxes... All that stuff you got from them, they're gone. You know, Poof. Poof. it's like you bought an in-game currency. Like it's a, like the like cards itself are a, a currency. Right, right. Um, you know, it's just it's something about gaming that I don't like, but it's also something that I can ignore, not spend my money on, and as long as it doesn't make a super significant change to the game, still enjoy the game. Like Bob's from Bob's Burger says, it's the principle of the thing, Lynn. It's it the principle of the thing. It is absolutely the principle of the thing. Principle I'm not a huge fan of, but it's also not going to make me boycott Star Wars. You know? Right. If they were, you know, I, I, I don't know what they could lock behind loot boxes that would make me boycott. I'm sure there's something where I'd be like, that's fucked up. Um, but, you know, it is an unfortunate thing. It's, it's, it's just, one of those things that gaming's going to have to look hard and long in the mirror about, just like it did about gore. You know, when I was growing up, the whole concept of gore and killing in video games was being huge. discussed in, in Congress. <laughs> it was, sure huge. was. Mortal Kombat, Grand Theft Auto, like these things were, they were yeah. shaking the industry. And eventually, you know, we got over it, mm -hmm. you know, because... You just have to, I mean, the solution to that is parents need to be parents. Exactly. There's a rating system, and, you know, you don't let your kid go watch rated R movies. You know, you don't let your six-year-old, seven-year-old go watch rated R movies. They shouldn't be playing rated R games. Like, that's that's the end of it. So, you know. I totally agree. That that fight was was more about the general public coming to the, in my opinion, coming to the understanding that video games aren't just for kids. For kids, right. You know? And I understand why they thought that for so long is because, you know, as video games progressed, they were very rudimentary. 
And it wasn't until you could do some more technological stuff and, you know, the generation that started way back with like the Atari 600 or 2600 and Amiga PCs and Spectrums and Commodore 64s and, you know, up through the Nintendo and Sega Genesis era, era, as those kids grew up and still played video games, like they started creating video games to appeal to that older market. Um, but yeah, that did right. blow up over loot boxes will blow over. <clears throat> I think it will go the way of like now season passes are kind of going away. A lot of people are saying we're not going to do season passes anymore. Um, you know, it's just, you may see that come back I in, mean, in, in place of loot boxes. You know, you might, this I may mean, be something that waffles back and forth for the rest of our lives. Yeah, and season passes still exist. Like, don't get me wrong; it's not like nobody does them anymore. They they absolutely still exist, right? But it's it's an interesting concept. And the other thing that's interesting to me is, I don't know of any sort of fandom or subculture or genre of fan where everybody thinks they're an industry insider like they do with gaming. Like right. you will like have, these... I'm the, I'm the, I'm the gamerest gamer there is. Right. Every and it's like, <laughs> it's like, all right, man, feel free to think that. But until you're working on the inside and like, and have really re like, you know what I mean? It, it, people just think they're king shit of fuck mountain when it comes to gaming. I've noticed. And like, that's, that's a big reason I don't interact in like gaming crowds on, in the online space. Like, yeah, it's just because like what I what I want out of video games, I get 100 percent from just chilling on my couch, playing some video games, either solo or, or with my friends online. And that's where I leave it. You know, yeah. I get all I don't need to go online and argue about sales and fucking uh, technical readouts and all this stuff. Um, my. One of my points is all these people that are bitching about, oh, I got to grind 40 hours to get Darth Vader. I mean, on the face of it, that sounds excessive, but that same motherfucker, how many times did you prestige in Call of Duty? How many hours did you spend in Skyrim trying to complete every quest? How many hours did you spend in Fallout collecting every single power armor? Like, Yeah, you know, I there, definitely there agree are, with that. There, there, before there were, you know, there were... There are not even incentives. Like, you collect it if you want. You know, just being able to play Luke and Darth Vader off the bat because you were expecting that, and now you're pissed because you got to grind to get to it. I mean, motherfucker, don't act like you haven't grinded. Like, you have ground the fuck out of these video games hardcore. You know, like, you have spent hours upon hours in that shit. Searching for the last animus feather in the fucking Assassin's Creed shit. Like... You know, no. that's shit we do. Like I understand. So I that's also, not that big a deal. It I does also, seem excessive forty hours just to get there, but I mean right. don't act like you haven't been on the grind. I and I get it, and I also understand where they're coming from where like nowadays it's like forty hours in Battlefront would take like before I'd have that done by now. You know? Yeah. Uh I mean it's because we're it's because we're getting older and we yeah. have more responsibilities. You know, we're not just sitting in the dorm between classes, burning away hours. Right. And, and you know, I, so I get where people are coming from where, like, they want to casually play Battlefront 2, maybe a few matches on the weekend or when they have free time. And they would also like to play Luke and Vader. So I think it was a real, real 
great idea that Amazon or Amazon EA lowered the price of all those heroes. Perfect. Well, but then, but this then is we the haven't even got to the, the finale. No, I the mean finale. we have the finale. The finale. This happened yesterday. So, like I said, this loot box thing blew up, and then the fuck up. They announced yesterday that the purchasing of in-game currency is disabled for the uh, current Tem- for, temporarily, temporarily for the future. They are not allowing people to spend real money on loot boxes until they go back in and rework the system. Now they were like, you know what? Everybody grind. Everybody grind. Nobody buys anything. Right, which is fine with me. I'm fine, fine with that. It's an even playing field. It is. Now, the people that bought a Je- bunch of shit while they could... Jesse brought this up to me, too. Yeah, it's interesting. ...are at an unfair advantage now. Yeah, but who knows, out of a percentage of the game-playing population, for one, it would have to be people that bought the Elite Trooper Edition, which came out on Tuesday instead of today. Right. that were able to do that so you got so that's a smaller piece of the pie and then you got to take away the people that like us aren't even going to bother with loot boxes so you right. got to take away that piece of the pie so i imagine the percentage of the gaming population in each ecosystem xbox playstation pc is is fairly small the amount of people that spent like a lot of money on loot boxes is probably even smaller so um but yeah real interesting i will be curious to see how it shakes how out. long temporary is that's what i was saying i was like oh you uh you nixed loot box purchasing temporarily how long is temporarily you're gonna get through the holiday season and be like okay guys you can buy shit again or yeah. are you gonna wait you know what when i imagine it'll be once they rework it that's more interesting they're gonna to create me. a new formula i don't know if it'll be a new formula or if they'll alter what you get out maybe maybe they'll change it to like an overwatch system where it's purely cosmetic stuff if they did that i would honestly be pretty down with it if they put in all kinds of cool extra costumes for your heroes or paint jobs for the ships and things Hell, like that i might that. even buy some i might I'm even really do. into it still that's the thing like games like like uh, overwatch and smite and league of legends like i feel like for the most part they do their loot boxes and their their microtransactions within the game a little better so like a game like spite smite they have a selection of characters that are free to play and that alters that like rotates every week if you find that one hero you're really into playing then you can spend like five bucks and permanently unlock that hero and then if you want some skins for that hero to change their appearance you can spend a little bit more money the thing is that's a free to play game now, yeah. <laughs> Star Wars Battlefront 2, in all fairness, is operating kind of like a $60 free-to-play game, right. which is where it gets fucked up to me. Where I, That's the part where I start to understand everybody's complaints. Right. Because EA of, is not doing anything to shake their reputation as the worst, the worst company no. in gaming. And see, the other thing people have to keep in mind is to get a game of the quality of a battlefront 2 that requires a lot of money and that requires a huge developer like the license i can't even imagine how much ea spent getting the star wars license from disney for 10 years 
They put in a major investment for that. And that takes a big studio to have that kind of money. So, like, you're looking at an EA. You're looking at an Activision, which to me is just as bad as EA as far as their right. business practices and stuff go. Right, totally. Um, you know, I, I would think those may be the two biggest, and then you've got, like, Ubisoft, which is pretty big. But I don't even know that when compared to, like, EA or Activision, if they'd have the cash to even get in a bidding war for the license. Ubisoft, you know? Yeah. Um, it's an unfortunate sideback, and it's the one thing that worried me back two, three years ago when it was announced that EA got the Star Wars license. The the two <laughs> things that are kind of blowing my mind are, number one, this, this whole EA loot box battlefront debacle has become such an issue that it has affected their stocks on Wall Street. Oh, yeah. Right? So EA, you know, people at Merrill Lynch and shit are saying EA stock is down 7% for the month and that they are not going, they aren't anticipating seeing the revenues they were before <laughs> all this. So whether that actually happens or not, that's stock market speculation. But the fact that Wall Street's freaking out because EA caved again about these loot models, you know, is not a good thing. And I feel like it has generated so much negative press that Star Wars Battlefront 2 is getting dumped on mm -hmm. when it necessarily wouldn't have otherwise. People being like, oh, this game's not even, you know, I played it and this game's not even really good enough to have all this bullshit about. Like, I don't necessarily know people would have been saying that shit if this debacle had not happened. You know, in lots of things, you know, as far as media and presser goes, you know, the old saying, no press is bad press. That's not true for video games. This is not, in this case, it's not true. I think this has been bad for... I still think Battlefront is going to sell a bazillion copies and make a ton of money, but I right. definitely think it's... And I guarantee you those dudes that are all butthurt and canceled their pre-order will still pick it up, probably for Christmas. Maybe, you know, maybe not do their pre-order unless they're really going to stick to their guns about this. I mean, they, they, they gave you what you wanted. They canceled the loot box price. Like, you know, you uh, can't buy loot box. Was it, wasn't that what you wanted? Now... <laughs> You know, on one hand, I, I got to give it to them where, yeah, they are listening to their player base and making right. changes to the game based on a well, very negative, a very loud reaction. Is but, EA listening to the player base or did Disney uh, put them in the arm bar and like, look, you're not going to fuck this up. You better do what you got to do to make this right. Uh, I don't see. The thing is, is Disney's already got its money from Battlefront. You know what I mean? Like. I'm sure they get a percentage of the sales, but the the chunk of that money came from EA getting the license, from what I understand, at least. Like I said, I'm no video game industry insider. But, no, I think EA, like, you can't play the card of, wow, good, good job, good guys, EA, because had no one complained about the cost of the heroes, had no one complained about the loot boxes, they wouldn't have changed it. They would have been funny to wring their hands and rake that money in. They are absolutely reacting to an incredibly negative response. And at the very least, or at the very most, rather, you can say, uh, good on you for not completely screwing the pooch and screwing right. yourself over. Um, right. So it's not like you can be like, man, EA are some good guys for making these changes. No, they made these changes because the shit was going south. I don't think Disney stepped in. I think EA was like, oh, fuck. We just had the most downvoted thread 
in Reddit history. This shit is blowing up in our face. I think this is more of a run into the bathroom before you shit your pants move than <laughs> than out of the goodness of their own hearts. By far. Yeah, I don't I don't I'm, know why I feel like this just cuz I feel like the corporate, you know, the corporate uh atmosphere at Disney is so, you know, it's all it's all wholesome on the outside and it's like we make fucking money on the inside. Like we have the Midas touch. And uh I just feel like you know, somebody high up at Disney placed that phone call to EA and was like, hey, uh, we see you got a bunch of shit going on here. Uh, fix it. Mm. Fucking fix it. I you don't know. care what the fuck you have to do. Fucking fix it. I don't think Disney is m- that invested in, like, with their, like, I, I, you know, Hasbro has had their fair share of, like, fan backlash over things they've done. And I've, I don't think Disney's ever been like, hey, you got to fix this. Like, but has Th- that's why like they Power Rangers if, and and if, Transformers if they and GI Joe and yep. I think they do Marvel stuff too. Um, well, they keep letting Michael Bay fuck with their shit. They clearly don't care that much. Well, that's that's their properties, not something they're licensing from someone else. Okay. Like Hasbro owns Transformers. They're licensing Star Wars from Disney. I got you. You see uh, what was I saying? I'm sorry. Oh, it's all good. Um, I just like I said, I think this was a purely. I don't think Disney got on the phone. Now, if this was an in, like, see, the thing is, is Disney doesn't really have a video game studio division. They they may have a few small studios for like mobile games and stuff. But they, they used to have, have Disney Interactive, but I, right. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. But they don't have a full scale like triple a style studio that can produce these kind of games that's why they license out star wars to now if this was an in-house developed disney game for sure disney would have been the one that stepped in i legitimately feel like this was ea realizing oh we done fucked up we have done fucked up you know i maybe but i still think they fought it they were they fought it as much as they could, as hard as they could, until they were just like, "Well, shit." Oh no! Well, shit. Absolutely. Like I said, I am not defending EA. I think, like I said, if nobody had complained, if it hadn't been such a big deal, that shit would be exactly how it was during the early access period. I st- honestly, I can't believe they did it. I thought no, that I once they did the seventy five percent less or whatever, I was like they they just gave you your concession. We'll we'll see how this works after it drops. I like that shit dropped and they were like nope free you like done. So like when the loot box thing really started blowing up, I got a feeling that they were going to do something. Yeah, it it was not in my mind that they would completely disable them. Okay? Right. Uh. That came as a huge surprise to me, that it got completely disabled. Now, I thought maybe they would change the random number generator and make the possibility of getting them um, higher. higher. Maybe lower the amount of regular credits, not the crystals that you buy for money, uh, that it takes to get crates. Because you could still get crates in the game, you just have to use the points. I mean, that's how you get your upgrades. Right. So maybe lower the cost of those. Uh, so it wasn't so expensive to get those with just the the currency you earn with f- for free. Maybe increase the amount of cards. Like I thought they would do something to that effect. Completely 
disable being able to spend real money on crates. Huge Did not to me. see that coming. Did not see that coming. Did in fact, Jesse came inside from taking the dogs out, and she was like, did you hear about Battlefront? And I thought she was just talking about the whole kerfuffle over loot right. boxes. And I was like, yeah, people are really freaking out about the loot boxes. And she was like, yeah, I can't believe they turned them off. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I hadn't been on Twitter or anything and hadn't seen the news yet. So, um. The well, fact that Jesse dropped that news for you is, is great. And it also says something about how big of a fucking clusterfuck this has become. Oh, yeah. if Well, you know, Jesse, you know, she reads Star Wars. I don't mean that she doesn't no, stay current. But I for it, that. for like the combination Star Wars and video game drama to hit her, you know, hit her Reduce radar. Feed, it was her big. Radar, yeah. It was big. So, um, well, we've talked about that. We've, I think we've covered that. I yeah, we we've ironed that the fuck out. Um, what about your reaction to the game? Okay, I was I'm interesting to. Okay, I know you were telling me to. We'll wait and talk about the story, but I'd like to hear you know your overall deets, especially if you got something to, some 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 review of the story. Okay, I can totally do that. Now we will not be discussing the campaign in depth. We'll, we'll like I said, we'll save that till next week. That'll give you time. To get through the campaign, so I don't spoil Other anything people, for you. Other know, people, we yeah. don't want to spoil it for anybody. Yeah, we don't really want to spoil it for anybody else. So uh, next week, you guys can look forward to a more in-depth story discussion of what's going on in this campaign. So since I got it, I picked it up at 11 on mid on Monday because that's when games come out now. And in that time, since then, I've completed the campaign and I have played a small handful of heroes versus villain matches, a small handful of starfighter matches, and two or three galactic assault matches. Okay? Okay. So I haven't really put much time on it. So these are just sort of my initial reactions. Your notes. Some my initial notes. notes. Uh, the one thing I'll say is in that small amount of time, I have already unlocked Luke and Vader. Oh, shit. So the lowering of the cost of those heroes clearly made a difference. <laughs> I've already got them unlocked, and I'm probably close to unlocking another one of the heroes by now. Um, the campaign, I thought, was excellent. I would say, like, if I were to give it a 1 out of 100, I'd say it's a solid 90. Nice. A-. minus. Um. I thought it was really well written, although some of its execution was a tad bit disjointed. Like it, it, without going into too much details, like you'll complete a mission, there'll be a cutscene, and then like it sets up your. It just felt at times a little disjointed. I guess that's all I can really say. Like I don't know how else to put it. Uh, sounds like um, just from what you're saying, it sounds like the. Um the segues weren't necessarily fleshed out as much as they could have been. Uh, maybe a little. It also takes some pretty significant time jumps because it goes from uh, shortly before the Battle of Endor until like the Battle of Jakku, which takes place about a year after Endor. So it covers yeah. a pretty decent little time period. And then there's like some stuff even after the Battle of Jakku and like the prologue and stuff. Um, I really, really enjoyed the Inferno Squad. 
the cast of characters that you cool. play. I thought Aiden was fucking badass. She's a real cool. Uh, I liked the other two guys. One of them is definitely more of a douche than the other. Uh, I liked the twist and turns in the story. I thought it had some excellent, excellent, sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle ties in tie-ins with other bits of post Return of the Jedi established canon. So, like, it's okay. got some ties in tie-ins to the. Remember the Shattered Empire comic? It's got some nice little tie-ins to that. It's got some tie-ins to the aftermath books. It's nice. got some it, it it's got some little hints and and things about the last Jedi in it. I felt that when the character like the hero characters, Luke, Lando, Han, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, when they come into the story, I felt they fucking nailed them for the most part. The right Luke on. stuff is my favorite post-Return of the Jedi Luke stuff we've gotten so far. Not that we've gotten much, but I really enjoyed what they did with Luke. Um, and I think there will be some interesting questions raised from this uh, campaign that we can discuss. Fucking uh, A. There's one that people are real excited about that I don't necessarily know is what they, th is what they think it is, but it's interesting. Um, it was a little short, but I felt like the breadth of the campaign in the four to six hours, however long it takes you to complete it, like I felt like it, it felt like Star Wars. I got to see a lot of cool new locations. I got to go to locations like um, Indoor. I got to go to Bespin and see Bespin in a way I haven't seen it before, sort of at night, you know? Um, yeah. Lots of cool space battle stuff. Like I, I got to say... The campaign was pretty awesome. It's so awesome that I will replay the campaign. And I'm not nice. a huge like first-person shooter campaign like replayer guy. Replayer guy. I will like but when Halo 6 is fucking on the horizon, I know for a fact I'll go through and play the campaigns of the other ones. It's what I always do. I fucking love some Halo. I love some Halo campaigns and I like to go back and get all caught up before a new one. I feel bad that I fell off Halo 5 so hard, but I guess it's part of growing up or mm -hmm. maybe I don't it's hard Halo 2 and 3 caught lightning in a bottle so hard and maybe just for the time of what they were. I don't know if that'll ever happen again. But yeah. I have some fucking fond ass memories. Uh, and I enjoyed shit. I enjoyed Halo 5 um online for what it was. To me it's it was the weakest weakest online entry. I even enjoyed playing Halo 4 online more than I did. Four. I liked Halo Reach. You know, I mean, previously, a lot of people catch shit about that. Previously Reach was my least favorite online. Right. Uh Halo 3 is my favorite just because that's where I, I got my introduction to playing Halo online. Um re and 5 is my least favorite uh, right now. And 5 is my least favorite campaign too to be completely honest. I mean, four is so emotional because of what happens with Cortana. Mm -hmm. uh, and then five is just, it doesn't feel the same. Something. Yeah. Some, you know, we could, uh, this is a conversation for another day, yeah, but yeah, right, I, I could really, right. no, it's fine. I could really dig into what I didn't like about halo five. And there's a few things I enjoyed my time with it. I'm actually probably going to go back and play the, the, um, the campaign again because it's enhanced. I like Xbox some of One the X. mechanics. 
Mm-hmm. Like I like the the little boosters, you mm-hmm. know, that help you kind of get around. Made me feel not so clunky in the armor. Yeah, I like that you can run. You know, I like some of the added mechanics in there. But I'm, I'm just talking about the overall Halo Master Chief story feel. Right. You know. Anyway, that's so, like you said, a conversation for another day. Uh, speaking of graphics, Battlefront Two is absolutely fucking gorgeous dude you and goose got those xbox one x's and i am tray jealous the the uh the original not the original the battlefront from two years ago the first dice battlefront was an amazing looking game and this is to me only knocks it up further granted i am playing in 4k hdr which makes the nice tv makes the brand new xbox a little more worth it. I gotta be honest. Man, so sweet. It looks so good. Um, of the multiplayer stuff I've played, I really enjoy Heroes versus Villains way more than I did in the first one. And I liked it okay in the first one. Part of the reason I like it better is there's definitely a larger selection of heroes and villains. And another reason I like it is something about the hero combat feels a little less floaty and weird than it did in the first one. I know what you mean. And this is what I'll use as an example. In Battlefront, the first one, the first D, this is so fucking confusing. In the original Dice Battlefront from two years ago, let's say you're playing as Luke and you come across Vader and it's the two of you just heading off. It kind of just felt like you're jamming on your buttons, your lightsabers aren't making contact. It doesn't really feel like lightsaber combat right it's a little better in two i was playing as ray and i came up on kylo and got in what felt like a pretty decent little lightsaber battle um where you're blocking and it is it's you know by no means like for honor complicated or or uh you know in depth as far as the combat goes but it definitely feels a little better than it did in the first one the starfighter mode took some getting used to but once i got used to it greatly greatly prefer it to the first one really because the first one took me a while to get used to but i got the hang of it and i was scared this one would be like vastly different it is vastly different the controls are different where like your left stick it rotates your ship and your right stick sort of turns and throttles up and down and like i said it will take a little bit getting used to um maybe not as bad if if you play the campaign first because they do a, a fair bit of starfighter stuff in that. But once you start cooking, man, you, and you're in like the variety of mission types in starfighter are so cool where like, uh, I played one in Camino. So where it was in the, the atmosphere of Camino and you're zipping around as droid fighters and Republic fighters and shit fighting and trying to take out stuff. And then there'll be, some that seem very like Rogue One space battle inspired, where you're up in space fighting star destroyers and uh, destroying Karelian corvettes and stuff like that. So I really like it, and it looks amazing. <clears throat> and then Galactic Assault, like I said, I've only played maybe two matches of that, and it's fun. It's it's definitely their big, you know, twenty versus twenty, you know, huge levels. Um, both matches. Is it, all, hmm? is it all ground stuff, the Galactic Assault, or does it go from space to ground? It doesn't go from space to ground. You can, uh, like, so as you play, like, let's say you kill someone, 
you get battle points. And as you store those battle points, you can then spend them in the round. They don't, you know, you don't save them from round to round. You can spend those to unlock things in the game. So like if you get 1500 battle points, you can unlock an X-Wing and you can fly around the level and, you know, do your X-Wing thing, getting mm, air combat right. with people or shoot people on the ground. If you get like 3000, you can get a hero and play as Darth Maul or Rey or Yoda or Luke, et cetera, et cetera. Right. <clears throat> right. Um, the two rounds I played were uh, prequel era. So the objective was to either protect or destroy the MTTs, the big like droid um, drop ship, not drop ships, but the big tanks that unfold and all the droids come out of. So, yeah, yeah. So as the droids, you're trying to protect those as the separatists or, or as the Republic, you're trying to destroy those. Right. Um, but I played on uh, Kashyyyk. And the level looked incredible. The The level design on the, all these looked pretty incredible. The one I would say so far that I haven't liked was Kashyyyk at Night. I was mm. not a huge fan of that map. <clears throat> Maybe I need to fuck around with the brightness settings on my TV or something. But it seemed almost a little too dark in places. And I was having a little uh, trouble as far as that goes. But, I mean, I'm really enjoying the game so far and i feel like it is not just an incremental step up from the first one i feel like it's a huge step up from the first one that's in that's i mean i'm so excited to play yeah super excited i'm really excited to hear your thoughts on the campaign i'm really Really looking forward to seeing what you think about that. And there's like lots of neat little Easter eggs. There's even like a little audio Easter egg about rebels in it. So, you know, I like that kind of stuff. So I'm digging it. Hell yeah. <clears throat> so uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about before we get into voicemails and messages this week uh, is, uh, I guess, a little bit of a toy review. I don't know. Um, Disney announced that they were going to be making available at their Disney stores these new toys called Disney Toy Box. It's a new line of figures. And they're very Disney Infinity inspired. Like, so you remember okay. the little Disney Infinity figures, the little statues that went with the game? Yeah, like kind of bulky, stylized. Almost Pixar-ish looking. Pixar-ish. Like, yeah. Um, animated Superman-ish. Yeah. So these are figures done in that style, and I got my hands on the first three of the Star Wars ones. It runs across all the Disney properties, like you know, uh, Pixar, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars. So the first three they bought brought out were Rey, Kylo, and the First Order trooper, and they are not the same size as a Disney Infinity figure. They're a little bigger. They're like. Somewhere in between like a three and three quarter inch figure and a six inch figure. And uh, they're fully articulated, so they're not like little static statues like right the on. Disney Infinity stuff. And I got to say, man, I dig them. This may be one of my new sort of favorite figure lines that's coming out from Star Wars. I hope they're successful yeah. enough where people uh, buy into them so they can make more. Um I, I like looking at them. The paint applications seem pretty solid. The sculpts seem pretty solid. They look good. They're like I said, I actually opened these up. I didn't uh, leave them in package. I opened them up. Oh, really, damn. Yeah. Um, 
and like I don't know. I just dig that. I always dug the Disney Infinity style figures and wish they had con- continued making them because I enjoyed collecting them as well. And to see them sort of bring that style of figure back but make it a little more toy-like instead of, you know, just a little statue, it's pretty cool. Right. Um, really, the only complaint, and this is something that I've noticed with a couple of things that I've actually opened up, is like the weapons, man do not stay in their hands well enough. Specifically, like Kylo's lightsaber and Rey's lightsaber, they don't really hold them very well. Like, in the package, they're literally strapped to their hands by, like, those little clear twist-tie oh, things. Oh, no. Yeah. And then when you get them out of the package, like, good luck getting that. You got to, like, twist it around and find the just the exact right spot to get them to hold and it right. And don't touch stuff. it. And do not touch it. Like... I, I think if, if I were a kid like sitting down to have a hardcore play session with these toys, I think that would tick me off because they'd be dropping their lightsabers all the time. Yeah. The stormtrooper silly putty or sticky putty in their hands. The, uh, the stormtrooper's a little better because, uh, he's got like a trigger finger and you loop that around the, the trigger guard on the gun. Yeah. So he holds the gun pretty well. It's mainly the lightsabers. But uh, I really dig them, and and you know they're, I think they're about fourteen bucks a piece or something. They're somewhere in between. Once again, three and three quarter, and and they're not as expensive as a black series. But if the only the only thing worse than not being able to hold their gear right is when you can't find the magic setting for the legs so that they stand up on their own. You know what I mean? As a kid growing up with action figures, I'm sure you know what I mean. But. I absolutely know what you mean, and these are okay with that, mainly because they have a little articulation in the ankle, so you can move their their feet at different angles and sort of oh, use sweet. that to balance them. But it does take a second to find, like you're saying, like that perfect sweet spot where they don't uh, right. Because with over. Ninja Turtles and stuff, like it, they're all in like horse stance, you know, that yeah. yoga pose where they're like always squatted at the knees. And, you know, the uh, power of the force ones, I, I couldn't get them to stand up for shit. Yeah. You know, and I always had the dent in uh, the bottom of the heel. So where you could peg them onto some surface or something. Like a stand or something, yeah. Right, but that that was the only way I could ever get them to stand up right. Yep. <laughs> I totally know what you mean, my buddy. So um... the, the only other little ditty of Star Wars news I have, and it's very minor, but um, the fact that Woody Harrelson was originally not going to do solo uh, because his family wanted him to come home. I guess they missed him, but he ended up doing it anyway and said <laughs> that he couldn't imagine not knowing this cast. Well, that's cool. Well, I also saw that there was like a press conference or something in Paris either today or yesterday, and Ryan Johnson confirmed that The Last Jedi is two and a half hours long. It's the longest Star Wars Yeah, movie that is ever. the longest Star Wars yet. So... We talked about that already. It's just nice to hear like some final confirmation on it. And that's uh, uh I'm excited, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm so fucking down. I'm fucking down. Well, uh, you want to do some voicemails and emails before we call Let's. it an evening? Let me um let me get a queue up a special little ditty that we use. Let's start it how we start it. A ditty ditty ditty. Go. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. 
Jedi Master who can crush box candy. Cockhead! Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his bud. Candy! Cockhead! To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Candy! Cockhead! What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow! Cockhead! It's just not right unless you air guitar that last part. I know, man. I do it every time. I play it up all real high and shit like I'm playing a ukulele So first up, we have got a voicemail from our good buddy, King Tom, that we couldn't get to last week because I hadn't finished the seasons of, season of Rebels, but I finished it. So let's see what he has to say. Apparently what he has to say is uh, not much because this shit ain't playing. What's going on? Didn't you ask him to send it to you again last week because it wouldn't play? Maybe we did have to do that last time he sent a voicemail. But he sent me his his voicemail for the holiday special and there's no problem with that. It's probably something on this stupid little tablet. This thing is a piece of junk. Is it a Windows tablet? <laughs> yeah. It's like a a next book. Cheap. Damn it, King Tom. I can't get this to play. What the fuck? What have you done, your highness? What have I done? Well, all right. We'll move on for a second while I try to figure that out. You know what we'll do? We'll see if we got any other voicemails. Move along. <laughs> and if one of those works, then we know it's our buddy King Tom's. And if it doesn't work, then we know I'm fucking something up. All right. Let's do our buddy Eric. He's got a voicemail for us. I love hearing from this dude. Had a chance to hang out with him for a little bit at uh, Star Wars Celebration. And that was a damn ass delight. So let's see what he has to say. Hey, Haas and Will, this is Eric in Minnesota, and I've got a question for you, but let me set it up. Um, so I was listening to episode 124, and you guys were talking about the expanded universe with Johnson's trilogy coming and um, the Star Wars show uh, coming up um, on the streaming service. And so I just got done going to Disneyland and one of the things I do when I'm there at World is I go to Path of the Jedi, which is a 17-minute movie of the Skywalker saga. And I so want an expanded universe because it's so rich and wonderful. At the same time, I'm old, I'm 50, and I don't want Luke and Anakin's journey to be 
diluted or taken away from. Um, as I was watching Path of the Jedi, they do this clip of when Luke stops the fight with Vader, tosses the saber away, and says, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And that's such a pivotal point. Um, and I think of Anakin's journey and how at the end he tosses the Emperor down the shaft to save his son. And I just wonder what your thoughts are about how to keep the universe expanding without diluting the original story for old guys like me. So just wondering what your thoughts are. Thanks. Hope all is well. May the force be with you always. So I assume you could hear that voicemail just fine, buddy? Yeah, yeah. It must be something with King Tom's. Um, so that, I think that's a, a solid question, and it's yeah, it's kind of – I don't want to say a loaded question because – It is loaded. I know what you're talking about. It's, it's like a lot to – I have a lot of feelings about this, basically. Because I feel like you can either pursue that family – that Skywalker family lineage – and that keeps it connected to what we all came from, or you can pass the mantle and pay homage in another way, you know, with where we go from here. But I I know what you're saying. So I feel like the best way to expand the Star Wars universe without diluting the stories that we already have that we all love so much is to constantly move forward or backwards or get away from those main characters whenever you can. Like part of the reason that this whole proposed or not proposed, this upcoming Ryan Johnson trilogy is the concept that it's going to be all new characters, no connections, completely unexplored new stuff. And that excites me because I already love Luke. I already love Han. I already love Leia. I want to see where their stories go, but I also want to meet my next Luke, my next Han, my next Leia. Uh, I want my favorite thing about the force awakens, for instance, is how much I love the new characters. There's not a single one like, uh, Ray, Finn, Poe, love them. BB eight, love that little dude. Kylo Ren, love to hate him, but that's perfect. That's what you want out of a villain. You know, uh, Hux, yeah, he's okay, but still pretty good. I think another sad fact that we're going to have to embrace is that we're going to lose some of the original fans. And I don't mean that wholeheartedly, like, but for so long in Star Wars fandom, you're tied to the Skywalkers. Yeah. You just are. Like that is all you've ever known. And some people won't be able to let that go. For and sure. It'll for be sure. sad, but I mean, there's no way something can grow unless you you, you move forward, mm-hmm. like you said. And, like, I, I, you know, with the built-in time jump between Return of the Jedi and um, The Force Awakens, I feel like there is perfect opportunity to give us more Luke, Leia, Han stories. Now, I'm still not exactly sold on the idea of seeing that in movie form. Uh, I would almost prefer it to be an animation or book or comic form just because that will be a little easier for me to process the fact that it's not Mark Hamill, that's not Carrie Fisher, that's not Harrison Ford. Um, 
if they ever decide to do that in movies, I'll be excited, but it, that will take some getting used to. So I think as far as adding to the story of these characters, you got that time period where you can do stuff, be it in a animated show, a TV show, books, blah, 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 or continue on with the enumerated saga. I personally believe we will absolutely see an episode 10 eventually. Will it be two years after episode nine? Probably not. They will probably take a little break and then boom, bring it back. I love King Tom's concept of episode 10 coming out on the, you know, around the 50th anniversary of Star Wars, which would be 2027. Uh, will they wait that long? I don't even know. But I, I still think you will have the opportunity to grow those characters. And eventually, you know, unfortunately, Luke is going to have to be written off. You know, Han has been written off. Carrie, unfortunately, Leia will be written off because of, you know, the uncircum uh, unfortunate circumstances of everything that went on with that. So uh, I think the biggest hurdle they've already gotten over which is introducing a great cast for the next generation in the saga movies, at least Ray and all those. I think they did a great job with that. And I'm, I'm excited at the prospect of continuing to see them in movies and stuff. Uh, and I think the other thing they got to stop doing is sort of trying to connect everything to the original trilogy. Stop shoehorning so much in, in between a new hope and, the Empire Strikes Back, like, let's back off of that for the expanded universe stuff, books and comics and stuff, and let's explore some other things. You know, once episode nine comes out and this trilogy is wrapped up, they'll have a lot more opportunity and be able to explore stuff a little more in between that time area and closer to the sequel trilogy, right? Because they can't mess with it too much because they don't, I, you know, they don't really know exactly how it's going to end yet, right? Right, right. <clears throat> so that's just my thoughts on that. I think really you got to encourage more new characters, um, set things not necessarily always tying in to stuff we've already seen, and just kind of leave what is on the screen with the prequels and the original trilogy alone. Leave that alone. Don't try to add new little nuance and canon to that. That's already established. Give us new stuff. Give us new stuff that we can get excited about. So. All right. You want to do some emails? Uh, King Tom, buddy, for some reason, I cannot get this voicemail to play. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, my dude. If you want to resend it, we'll do it next week. If you want to do a different voicemail, you could do that too. It's whatever your majesty desires. Uh, next up, we've got our buddy, William. Hey, guys. This is my second time writing in, and I want to say how awesome it is that you guys take the time to go through all the traffic you receive from fans and listeners. I've been listening to you guys for a while, and I could never bring myself to write in. This was mostly because I didn't think I would have too much to offer. Well, after my first email to you guys, I think I will try to make it a regular thing, as long as I can contribute conversationally. So on to the colossal news, and by this I mean the new trilogy and the live-action TV series. I can't tell you how long I've bitched about the lack of a Star Wars live action show and it's finally here. Oh, I like that. So on to my questions. What do you guys want to see from a live action show? What are your thoughts on expanding from the Skywalker saga and starting a fresh new take on a galaxy far, far away? 
Thank you so much for the awesome show, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Sincerely, William. And as always, may the force be with you. You know what I kind of thought about <coughs> over the weekend and stuff, thinking about the live action show? You know what I think would be really cool to see? Would be, What's that? Uh, and I think this would be a cool way to set a show after the sequel trilogy, or af- um, not after, after Return of the Jedi, and not have to necessarily involve our main characters, our big three. I would like to see... Like an, like a fucking X-wing fighter show. Oh my god, get the fuck out of my brain, Hawes. And That's like, what I was, I was gonna say, like a Rogue Squadron mm-hmm. show. Like it doesn't have to have any of the big three in it. You can follow what happens to Rogue Squadron after the demise of the Empire. Yeah, because uh, as we know from the canon and like Battlefront Two, like the fight doesn't stop after Endor, and you could, you could set it even after the Battle of Jakku if you want. I guess you could see you the know? battle of Jakku. It's a fucking TV show. Yeah. Now would they have the budget to do all kinds of space battles and stuff all the time? I don't know, but I think that would be really cool where you could get to meet like some badass squadron pilots and, you know, uh, throw in some cool Imperial characters and really dive into those. That's the one thing I'm really, really excited about for the TV show is the opportunity for them to really do some character development. One with my, other characters, yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite things about Lost is the amount, the insane amount of character development and change that happens to these characters from the first episode to the last. So if if they were able to pull off something like I, and I'm not talking like mystery and smoke. I was monsters. about to say, do not bait and switch me like that. I will, I will get irritable. You're too much of a Lost hater. That's the best TV. I'm show not a Lost time. hater. I loved Lost, and I watched it with you all the time. <laughs> But the way every single episode was, oh, you want an answer? I got one for you. Here's five more questions. Oh, you want right. an answer? I'm, Here's one for you. I no. got five more questions. I don't think that would necessarily work within Star Wars. Like, it worked within Lost to me because it was set up that way, you know? I'm not saying it that. Was I mean, it I, just And when we got to the end, I was completely satisfied with all my answers. It just... Through the whole ride, I'm like, oh. Uh, see, I didn't have that reaction. I was, I guess, the idiot that was like, oh, tease me some more. Let me ask myself these five questions. I like to go over. I really enjoyed during the, the years Lost was on TV, like going over what the fuck could happen and what was going on. And a couple of times I got to pat myself on the back. I got I nailed a couple of things. Every now and then, I would just be 100% right on something. And other times, I would be so a million percent wrong. So, I'm not saying I want that in Star Wars. I mean, more like, think about the um, crazy amount of character development and backstory and in like the way the characters changed through Lost. I mean, more of that than like the story structure, the mystery box. Things like that. Like uh, I mean, I totally agree about the character development. And I just don't want it to fall into this, the formula where everybody's got to get an episode. You know, because I feel like Rebels kind of falls into that. Like, mm. like <coughs> you know, chopper a Chopper episode. And right. like, uh, I definitely sort of gravitate more to like an ensemble cast 
where you sort of have standout characters. Um, right. But, uh, you know, I don't necessarily want every episode to be focused on a different character. But if occasionally we get an episode that focuses on one character, that won't bother me. But and I like, don't want I don't... it to be a, like a, a thread of the week. Like, I want it to be... right each season to have like a concurrent story. I don't want like in the first, you know, in this episode, they find out there's, uh, you know, uh, Imperial raiding party attacking a planet. They go and blow it up. And then that's, that's done. Like I want there to be some sort of long running storyline through the season and perhaps through the whole series. I just, the most recent thing that upset me was that episode in stranger things. Um, I, once again, we could talk about this all night. We, the next slow news night, we should discuss stranger things. Cause I know the episode and I had the exact same reaction you did. So I was like, where the fuck am I? What the fuck is happening right now? Uh, I, I have so many thoughts on that. We will definitely cover that at some, we'll point. go into it. Um, and if for a second question, what are your thoughts on expanding the saga, Skywalker saga and starting a fresh new take on a galaxy far, far away? I feel like we kind of covered that in the last one. I'm excited. I think so, too. I, I'm excited. I, I always want the Skywalker saga or the numbered, you know, the saga movies, episode 9, 10, 11, etc. I want those to continue. I, basically, I want my cake and I want to eat that damn ass <laughs> shit, too. Like, I want those and I want new stuff. So give it to me, Disney. I'll be sad if the progeny of Skywalker doesn't continue, but it won't be the end of the world. And I'll be just as excited for all the new Star Wars. <clears throat> all right. So next up, we've got a email from our buddy Dave. He's Darth Kindness on Twitter. And I don't know that I've ever seen someone that has a more appropriate Twitter handle than this guy right here because he is a damn ass nice dude. All right. This is what he has to say. Hey guys, I'm digging the holiday pod for the Kessel Toy Run. Thank f- thanks for what you and others are doing for the kids. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, buddy. You guys and your guests talking about their Star Wars Christmases got me thinking. I'm one of the older people in Star Wars Twitter community. I was 13 when A New Hope hit theaters. So while I was able to experience the initial wave of excitement and have great memories of standing in line for the first showings of Empire and Jedi, I missed out on those childhood memories you guys have. My question is, would you trade your childhood memories of watching the saga on VHS and all those great fucking toys for the experience of seeing the original trilogy on its first run in the theaters? Ooh, hands down, I would. You would just you would because, tr- yeah, I would. Wow. My dad was born in '62. Okay, you're gonna say so, something that I was gonna bring up. I know what you're gonna say. Your dad held my, that shit over your head, didn't he? That he got well, to not necessarily. I mean, kind of, yeah. But the way he talked about it, it was like a life changing experience. Yeah, my like, my dad was the exact same way. Where I'd be like watching Star Wars, and I'd be like, "This is so great," and he would be. You should have seen it in the theater. Yeah, sitting on the couch Sticking smoking a Doral 100, fucking drinking black coffee, and he'd be like, you think this is great? You should have seen it in the theaters. So so my dad was like, if he was born in 62, that means he was... 15? 15, yeah. when it hit in 77, and he said that it was mind-blowing. Like you sit in that theater and you've never seen a sci-fi movie like this. You've never seen any any movie like this. And just he said, like he went to see it, I think nine times in the theater, 
just because the first time your mind is so blown, you know, it's almost hard to comprehend like the rest of the movie. And then every time you go to see it, you see something you hadn't seen before. And everyone around everyone in the movie theater is mind blown. Like, and there's a scene in, um, that 70s show when oh. I guess red, red and kitty go to see it. <laughs> wow. And, you know, Red's talking shit. Wow. and then it comes on and they're like, wow. Like, you know, uh, that, and that feeling like I would trade that. Hell yeah. I'd trade all those fucking toys for that experience in the theater. And you know, the hype around, just the just the initial beginning of it, you know, just the mind blowingness of it. So, I don't know that I would trade it because I feel like I had some excellent memories, even though I didn't get to see them on their original run in the theaters. I, would I have loved to? Absolutely, but I feel like I have some pretty fucking primo memories of a kid watching them on VHS. Then being like a sophomore in high school when the prequel trilogy finally kicked off, uh, you know, a freshman in college when episode two came out, uh, three years later, a dropout in college when episode three came out. Like, I feel like those that was pretty killer. And like, you know, then with the sequel trilogy and everything. So I don't know that I would trade it to see in the theaters because I got to see the special editions in the theaters which is not the same but I finally did get to see those movies in the theater experience but if I could time travel one of my first destinations would be to go see the original Star Wars oh man and movies that I that I wish I could see in you know the original Star Wars right right you know the original Star Wars trilogy I wish I could see back to the future for the first time in the theater Wish I could see Ghostbusters for the first time in the theater, you know, like some of those quintessential movies. Yeah, I that... so all those would be cool. I didn't see Back to the Future 1 or 2 in the theater. I definitely saw 3 in the theater, though. Um, But I wish I had seen the first two. That would have been really cool. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I would definitely, if I could time travel, I would go back then. But I don't know that I would trade it. Um. But it would have been awesome to live during that classic Kenner era and be able to really get into those toys and stuff. But, you know, I don't feel like I got the short end of the stick. By I mean, I don't feel like I got shafted, but no, dude, I would I would totally I'd tread in a heartbeat. All right. So we have two more emails. One of them is from our buddy, Chris, Chris Lilly. Unfortunately, I'm not going to read it this week, but only because he goes into some spoiler stuff with the Battlefront 2 campaign, and I want to save that until you've had a chance to play. Okay. And uh, he, he brings up some really interesting questions and some things I think people will be discussing quite a lot from now until we see The Last Jedi. So I'm, I'm tantalized. We will absolutely get to your email, Chris. I just want to hold off until our buddy Will here and some of our other listeners have a chance to play. So, to wrap it up this evening, we got a cooking with Will question from our buddy Brad. Hey, Halls and Will, quick question. Boiling eggs is my culinary Achilles heel. I seem to either overcook them to the point the shell sticks or undercook them, rendering them inedible. What is the magic behind the perfect boiled egg? How do I keep fucking this up? Also, after listening to some of your previous podcasts about the nostalgia surrounding vintage toys, one of the things that the vintage toys had versus the new toys is the smell. They just had this awesome aroma after popping them out of the plastic bubble. 
That's at least part of the secret sauce for me. Thanks, guys. Brad H. I don't know if the smell is the same, but I remember there being a very distinctive smell to a uh, Power of the Force 2 figure. Popping mm-hmm. that bitch out of the pot. I don't know if it's the same smell, but I, I do remember what he's talking about. It's like, um, it's not the same smell, but it's like when you get a new book. You know how like a new book smells nice? Or even an old right. book. They got a different smell though. Um, so what's what's the deal with boiling eggs, my man? Help him out here. Okay, the perfect boiled egg. If you will give me a few seconds, I have this formula and I have it stored. I'm just trying to um, trying to make sure I have the right formula because I could try to give it to you out of memory, but I want to give it to you precisely. Okay, my uh, man's got will, formulas. Yeah, yeah. If you can riff for a minute, I will be. <clears throat> I will be hitting you with the perfect boiled egg. And now I can tell you this while I'm while I'm looking for it. Um, one of the things for the perfect boiled egg, okay, you know how when you when you hard boil eggs, you get a little space in there where the air has created this bubble. And so sometimes your hard boiled eggs have like this flat surface on the bottom. To remedy that, you take a little push pin. And you just prick a tiny hole in the bottom of the egg, so and you'll see a little a little bit of egg goodness will come out inside the water. But that's okay; it's not really a big deal. Um, it will fill up that entire space within the egg, so you get perfectly round. There is no dead space within inside the egg. I learned that from Jacques Pepin. Um, also, I know you think that your underboiled eggs are inedible. Uh, there is such thing as a soft-boiled egg. It, 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 won't, you know, it won't have the consistency of a hard-boiled egg. One of the easiest ways to do that is with a sous vide. Uh, that regulates your temperature over time, uh, so you can make perfect soft-boiled eggs. But um, other than that, oh my god, I do this all the time. And I'm, I may have to do this from memory because I can't find <laughs> your um the right one you're coming in a little crackly for some reason a little crackly let me check my mic check check in the mic mic check is that any better sibilance sibilance all right so the recipe for perfect hard-boiled eggs the way i the way i learned it and the way i've executed it and now i'll tell you this um i told you jacques pepin taught me the punch pin method to fill up all the full space in your egg he also taught me that he judges a restaurant by the quality of their hard boiled egg so that the white isn't rubbery so that the yellow is creamy and cooked all the way through but not firm or uh bluish sometimes that uh yellow yolk will turn bluish if it's, it's been overcooked too long but what you do is you take a saucepan you put your eggs in there and then you cover the eggs Uh, with cold water now some people will boil the hot water and then put the eggs in the boiling water you can do this but i find it easier to start with cold water uh put it on high heat with the eggs in there and um once uh once the water starts to simmer once you start seeing those bubbles come up uh once it's you know it's breaking the water molecules is boiling pretty much you turn off the heat and you cover um cover the pan with a lid and let it sit for about 15 to 17 minutes still on the eye so the warm um you don't have to remove it from the eye so cover with cold water cover your eggs with cold water as soon as it starts to simmer uh put the lid on kill the heat 
let it sit for about 15 to 17 minutes. Don't take the top off. Uh, then once that time is up, you pour out the hot water and you can put cold water in there and let them sit in the cold water for about 20 minutes. You can also create an ice bath. Uh, one of the things to is what we call shocking. Uh, you shock things and stop them from cooking. We shock noodles. We shock blanched uh, uh, vegetables to keep them from cooking to mush. Once they get to the point you're done cooking them, you shock them with cold water and it stops that cooking process. They stop right where they're at. Same thing with boiled eggs. Um, you can remove them from that hot water and put them in, in ice water and it'll instantly shock them to stop cooking. Uh, or you can just put cold water in that pot and it'll do the same thing. Uh, but that's what will give you eggs that should be perfectly cooked. You know, and de- I guess depending on your elevation, the time may take a little less or more because elevation always cook, uh, affects cooking, but air pressures and things like that. But uh, some people have tricks where they put baking soda in the water and that helps eggs peel. I don't do any of that shit. I just, you know, I start with cold water, let them boil for, let them, you know, bring it to a boil, let it sit for. 15, 17 minutes, and then put them in cold water, and you should have good eggs. If you don't, I will help you tweak that recipe. If that doesn't work for you, uh, I'll help you get it right because perfect boiled eggs are a great thing, and nobody wants awful boiled eggs. And like I said before, an undercooked boiled egg is not an awful thing. Um, I really like like soft boiled eggs. And especially if the yolk is still runny, a soft boiled egg on top of of certain things, you know, that runny yolk can create its own gravy that covers the top. So like the white is cooked all the way and it's very delicately cooked. And then as soon as you bust it open that, uh, the yolk is still runny, but you know, everybody likes their eggs differently. You so. put that soft boiled egg in a little egg cup and you cut the top off and you dip fucking toast in those little fuck in that yolk. There you mm, go. That's the way to go for me. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, for covering that, buddy. I think that should help him out. Hit us I up, so. Brett. Oh, I've got, since King Tom's voicemail didn't work, he asked you a question on Twitter that I'm interested to hear your answer to. Okay. You know, we talked about pimento cheese last we week. We did. He wanted to know, why do store-bought things like that, like pimento cheese spread, taste so different to homemade versions? And he was wondering, is it something they put into it to make it last longer on the shelf or what? I actually answered that question. Did you not see my answer? Oh, did you? I'll be down. I did, but I will I will reiterate that answer because uh, since you brought it up, um, those products are, yes, they are filled with preservatives to increase their shelf life. So that will affect taste. Number two, they're mass produced by large industrial machines in large vats. That's also going to affect your flavor a little bit. Uh, the third thing is that those products are geared towards the middle of the road, the mainstream. Their flavor itself is engineered not to upset or be too extreme for anyone. So there aren't any really, any really um, outlandish ingredients. You know, no extreme. It, it's just it's mayonnaise, pimento, cheese. Like that's that's all you know. Certain people want out of it, so it's going to taste a certain way. Uh, the cheese that goes into it is probably the most inferior cheese product maximized for profit. Right. You know, right. Um, it's not. So there's so much depth of flavor that when you make these things homemade, they're going to taste so much different than what you get at the store. And that's because 
the potato salads, the macaroni salads, you know, the pimento and cheese, they are shot right at the middle of the road. Not to be not to be too salty or too peppery or too you Spicy know anything, anything too garlicky, you know, to 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 appeal to everyone. I gotcha. Well, so that's that's uh, well, you know, with all those three things combined, is how you get the unique flavor of store bought, you know, store bought salads and yeah. stuff. Right on. I think that covers it pretty well. Well, buddy, thanks for uh, taking the time to record with me this week. Yeah, um, thanks for having me on. I love it. it was, it's always fun. Thanks to everybody for listening. Remember, guys, yeah. if you haven't gotten the holiday special yet, please do. All the proceeds are going to an excellent cause. You can find it at Blue Harvest podcast.bandcamp.com uh, do you like the band the support uh, the supports us by donating their amazing music for our theme song then you should I know check I them do. out I love them they are Stoned Cobra and you can find them on iTunes on Spotify and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com uh, and guys uh, until next week I hope you guys have an excellent week I hope if you're celebrating Thanksgiving this co- coming week that is excellent as well and uh We'll see you in a few days. So this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs>